Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Paul Leslie Hour. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Thanks for joining us here on the Paul Leslie Hour. We have a very special in-studio guest, Benjamin Ryan Williams. A lot of people call someone named Benjamin Ben, a.k.a. B-E-N. In this case, B-E-N stands for Bass Every Night. Or it could be Blue Evening Numbness, the title of one of his albums. Ben has been a friend of the show for years now. He's a very lovable soul, a very joyous guy. He describes himself as an ambient folk instrumentalist. Ben has always been synonymous with the bass, a session recording artist, composer, performer, and entertainer. He has been playing bass and recording with the Indigo Girls since 2012. He also has his solo discography. It's our pleasure to welcome bassist, poet, and recording artist, Benjamin Ryan Williams. Ben, thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me in this lovely studio. What an introduction, too. (laughs) It's a pleasure. Now, we were talking a bit earlier. Mm Mm-hmm. This is my favorite story about Benjamin Ryan Williams, <laughs> which also is, I think, possibly the first time or one of the first times we ever met. For those of you who are familiar with Atlanta, this is not far from the music venue Smith's Old Bar. We met at this coffee shop, and you were talking about some gig that you were going to be playing and about how far away it was. And Atlanta traffic being what it was and is. (laughs) You talked about the gig, and then about a minute later, you just said, I hope I make it. And I said, you hope you make it? You mean like with the traffic and the time, the distance? And you said, no, I mean in life. <laughs> I, 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 mean, I hope I like I make it in life. You know, the music business, all, all everything. I, I've, uh, that stayed with me. So, Ben... Have you made it? <laughs> yeah, I, I've made it further as a musician than I ever really imagined. And of course, you know, as you get older, you you make it in other ways, personally and socially, and just like how you feel about yourself. So, um, I, you know, there's always more room to grow and get better, but I feel better than I did that afternoon, probably. <laughs> so, <laughs> good coffee at that place, though. Oh, yeah. Sure, I was fired up. Yeah, and I, I'm sure I made it to that gig in the evening as well. <laughs> so how do you define making it? What does that mean to you? I think it's important, you know, to, that everybody kind of sets their own parameters for what that means. Personally, I think that I, I always wanted to reach a point where, you know, I felt good in any and all musical situations. And I, and I also wanted to reach a point where I was kind of offering something musically to the world that, it doesn't doesn't really that I hadn't really seen before or heard before. That's obviously like a lifelong project, uh, but I think that's a really important part about being a musician or an artist is trying to pave your own lane and, and do something as original as you can. I think also one of our first conversations that we had was I asked you something like, "What do you think of the bass as a solo instrument?" What do you think of the bass as a solo instrument? <laughs> well, as a solo instru- ins- instrument, it's very cool. Um, you know, you don't see a lot of solo bass guitarists. I believe that's probably more because you just haven't before. It's not because it can't be a great solo instrument. Uh, I think the fact that it's lower in pitch makes it kind of more interesting to listen to. Uh, it has a lot more warmth to it than maybe like a higher octave guitar of some kind. And then I also think, you know, people, I hope, right, when people see me play bass as a solo instrument, they're like, oh, that's cool. I didn't know you could do things like that. And that's, you know, kind of the MO of this project, just trying to put something new out there. I think as a solo instrument, in short, I guess, very underrated. I would like to see more solo bass players, I hope, one day, but not as good as me. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe you'd like to give the listeners a little taste of what that's like. Yeah, for sure. I will play um, a little bit of a song coming out, you know, within the next year at some point. It's a new one, so I think it'll, it'll be fun to play right now. 
Thank you. Beautiful, Ben. Thanks a lot, man. Wow. That was incredible. Ooh, ooh, I appreciate it. That's That song is called Tell Me You Love Me, You Don't Have to Mean It. <laughs> <laughs> you have a lot of very interesting titles for your songs. Thank you. Thank you. Do people tell you that a lot? Yeah, I, I think when you are an instrumentalist, right, the only lyrics that you have are the titles of your songs. So I'm glad that people appreciate them and, and think that they're cool and not just kind of verbose. So it's, you know, lucky in that way. When you're composing something, are mm-hmm. you seeing anything in your head or are you imagining anything? What What's going through your mind when you're coming up with one of these melodies? This is, a, this is an interesting question because I don't want to, I don't want to use the cop out answer and be like, oh, it's a lot of different things, which is true. But if I'm pressed, I do kind of, I think my, my aim when I'm writing a piece of music is to capture some sort of feeling. And, like, a feeling that, like, passes by, like, really quick. But I kind of want to make, like, a musical moment out of it. So it's almost like when you kind of are having those moments in your life where you reflect upon, like, the transient nature of existence, the moments that, you know, are seconds but seem like they last a little bit longer, that's, like, what I'm aiming for usually when I make music. But then sometimes when I compose music, it it gets, like, musical, pre- like pretty musical. Like, I will read about a composer in a way that they did something, I'll be like, oh man, that's cool. I want to try that. So a few a few different ways. Hmm. Interesting. So when you compose, would you say that it's more, is it more story oriented or is it more emotional? I would say I, I've always been a big folk musician fan and I've always wanted my songs to be probably more affiliated with stories or like a narrative than something emotional. Because I feel like a smart listener, which is like most people who listen to music, um, everyone's so good at listening to music nowadays, they'll like extrapolate their own emotion anyway. Hmm. So it it might seem kind of silly for me to try to be like, this means, you know, I'm trying to make this song feel happy or wistful or, or whatever. I'm trying to just almost like create a painting for somebody to feel like what they want inside of. I hope that's that's kind of the goal anyway. Do you ever have people tell you about what they think a song is about or what they may be imagined? This melody, this song that you were just playing for us, I had some images that were floating through my head while you were playing them. Oh, it's cool. So are you, is that something that people tell you regularly about? Yeah. I, I th- people come up with some very odd <laughs> images associated with music, which I think is cool. You know, the the human imagination is is really fired up when you listen to music so i appreciate that people tell me what did you what did you have in mind what were what were the images in your head i'm curious now ben i'll tell you if you tell me about one of those odd ones okay okay um <laughs> there there was a, a track i recorded i think it was off my first album which is called bass every night uh the song was called we all drink too much cheap wine and one of my friends told me when she listened to it she imagined a field of bunny rabbits on ecstasy (laughs) and i i don't know what to do with that information i appreciate the visual i don't know i don't think about rabbits like parting like that usually but just stuff like that i'm like wow if if i was able to make some music that made somebody think about that then i will have actually made it going back to the first question (laughs) So what I was envisioning Mm -hmm. while you were playing that song, I imagined an aerial view of frozen polar ice caps. And it was like a plane, or maybe we couldn't even see the plane. We just had the ability to fly over that frozen land. Very serene, very cold, but very alone. (laughs) Oh, that's pretty good. I like that. You might have to do the the liner notes on the album. (laughs) If you ask me to. (laughs) So you were saying that folk music is a big part of your your life and of your taste. I remember one time I interviewed the great Janice Ian. Oh, of course. And you had me tell her something. And so I'm just curious to know, 
the music that you most identify with or the music that you most love, what, what would that be? This this is a tough one because like growing up in Atlanta, like my first musical love was, as I'm sure like most people my age who grew up in Atlanta is rap music, like through and through. So there's always a big place in my heart for that. I did have a music teacher one time who told me that I should listen to a new type of music every day to expand my emotional range as a person. And I, I tried to really take that to heart. So I do like a lot of music. Folk, folk music I really appreciate because I feel like to some degree it's more a- an accurate representation of what regular people are going through within like a country or a culture or what have you. And I think that's really fun because there's like this historical element to folk music, like preserving the stories of, you know, regular people like me. You're probably, you're like a bit too awesome to be regular, but they've got folk music for that too. But I think, yeah, I think folk music is probably the coolest with respect to its influence on culture. And I I grew up listening to a lot of it. But, you know, my favorite artist, Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder. Of course. Yeah, yeah. I think he's like a really true positive force in the music world. In addition to being just like an out of control, good harmonic player, drummer, keyboard player, singer, arranger, you know, entertainer. But I think he is like a really cool ambassador of music. So like if aliens ever come to Earth... (laughs) And we show them Stevie Wonder, I think they'll be like, oh, man, this is tight. Like, this is all right. We <laughs> uh, so he's a... And, and, you know, he has a folk music element to his stuff as well, in the sense that, like, his lyrics are about real things that people go through. So I hope, hope that answers the question. Who are the composers who you would say have had the biggest influence on you? Okay. I think I can narrow it down to three like big ones in terms of like this solo bass thing that I am trying to do. So like number one, I would go with, and it was cool because you interviewed him. It was awesome. Bill Frizzell. Oh yeah. Definitely like the biggest influence I think on like how I wanted to present music. I just thought he was so cool and he kind of does whatever he wants, but is so good that everyone lets him do it. And I just thought it was a really cool a- approach to like playing the guitar. So I tried to like adapt a little bit of that to bass. Then, it, you know, I'm a big fan of Claude Debussy, like early 1900s French impressionistic music, because he was like a pretty big rebel harmonically. He just sort of did what he wanted to do. And he, he had some success too, which is always nice. Uh, let's see. And then the third, like, you know, I, I was such a big Hall & Oates fan for such a long time that I just wanted to have, like, that effect on people when I played, where it was, like, almost, like, instantaneous. You know, you start listening, you're like, oh, damn, this is good. Like, I wanted to have that feeling, like, come out of my records. So we'll see if I ever hit it, because those are three, like, absolute all-time legends, or four, I guess, Hall & Oates, two people. Interesting. <laughs> it's quite a, quite a mix of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's good, though. It's like music is a really wonderful way to learn things about yourself and about the world. And if if you have like a various, like a really varied approach to listening to music, you know, the hope is that it'll it'll turn you into like a more vast, diverse human being. And I really believe that because I've got no business being even a tiny bit diverse, but I've got some because I've been fortunate enough to study different types of music. Well, Ben, mm-hmm. would you like to play another song yeah, let's for do the it. listeners out there? This song is called No Kid Could Do That, Only God Could Do That. Here we go.
very good. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I'm glad you like it. It's great. You know, it's always it's always nerve-wracking to play some music that's weird in front of people who have great mustaches. <laughs> <laughs> You're kind. <laughs> well, amongst the people that you find are really enjoying your stuff, the people that, that mm-hmm. you get to meet and the people you encounter on social media and what have you, do you notice any commonality among those people? Oh, this is an, an interesting question because, like, when you're trying to, like, be an artist, you sort of do want to, you know, you don't want to care too much about who you're making stuff for, but it's music. So it feels like I like people to enjoy music. I want to make music that people enjoy. So you're, you're always kind of asking yourself, like, who is the, who, like, is the BEN fan, if there is one? Uh, it does seem like a lot of people who have, like, a heavy interest in yoga really like my music, which makes sense. It's pretty relaxing. I've never done yoga in a class myself personally. So I think that is kind of a funny commonality. But it is a, it is like a nice mix of people who who like kind of in the instrumental like jazz style, which I think is cool because I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not really playing jazz like at all. It's just instrumental. But it's nice that those people appreciate what I'm doing. And then yeah, kind of like your like new age yoga people, and then you know some 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 regular. <laughs> it sounds weird to call people regular people, like regular music listeners. I think like it if they're exposed to it. It's just harder to find the exposure in front of that group of people sometimes. But I would hope that everyone listens to my music is thoughtful and open-minded i think to like what i do and to even maybe like me as a person you have to be kind of (laughs) open-minded ben you you Mm -hmm. were mentioning that your beginnings were in atlanta but i know that originally it was texas wasn't it yeah born in dallas in dallas moved to atlanta when i was very young but uh i think i like to think that the texas influence is like kind of still in my character just that sort of like wild west stupid self-confidence that hopefully doesn't get on too many people's nerves. (laughs) (laughs) You would describe yourself as a a confident person? Yeah, I think, I think maybe, you know, everyone's got doubts about who they are or, or, you know, whatever's happening in the world. But I think anybody who gets out of bed every day and just tries their best possesses some confidence. So I can at least do that. (laughs) Is there any kind of music that you don't like? Oh, okay. Not really in terms of like pure music, but I certainly do get a little flummoxed when I see like an artist with a a huge platform, not really using it to express anything that, you know, puts like promotes like positive values in the world, you know, without naming any names, obviously, but... I think when music becomes purely commercial, you should just like make pharmaceuticals or something. You know what I mean? It's it seems like we there should be no business for like only commercial music. Now, if you make something that has value and it sells a lot of copies, like that's great. But yeah, there are a lot of artists out there, I think, who maybe just get caught up in trying to be the best they can. And the way that they think to do that is to like make the most obvious stuff. So I'm not a big fan of that, but that, I I guess, isn't really a type of music. (laughs) (laughs) I got you. It's a type of people. (laughs) Would there be any band or artist that maybe would be in your Spotify playlist or on your your iPhone or in your Mm. CD collection that we would be surprised? Hmm. Let me think about that. This is a really good question. I th- I think it would people might be like a bit surprised by like how much I would say like late 80s to mid 90s country music I listen to especially after hearing me play those last two songs so like I'm a big Deanna Carter fan ah and like I I don't know if you would get that if I was like yeah I play this weird ambient solo bass but you know, Strawberry Wine is like one of the best songs I've ever heard. <laughs> it is a great song. Yeah, it's amazing. It's like, I have never been the person described in that song, and yet I, I can feel it. And I think that's a really cool thing about songs, when they really put you in a place 
where you can just become a bit more empathetic. Like I have no connection to that person in the song. And every time I hear it, I'm like, oh, that's me. Mm. <laughs> what do you like about country music? Ooh. Um, I appreciate that there's a strong emphasis on storytelling and musicality. You know, I don't think like country musicians are out there trying to play like they're Charlie Parker, but you can tell that they have respect for their craft and they've practiced. And that, I really like that. It also just seems like music that people like and I like, and sometimes it's just as simple as that. <laughs> Yesterday I was chatting on the phone for a minute with Gene Dunlop, mm -hmm. and he, for many years, was the band leader of Loretta Lynn. Oh, nice. And he was telling me that backstage at the Grand Ole Opry, he would play jazz music backstage, <laughs> and so many of the musicians would join in. Yeah. I think musicians like jazz because it's like... Yeah, it's like it is a very sophisticated art form, right? Like we can pick it apart and it can become very dense harmonically and rhythmically. But I think a lot of musicians like it because it's so expressive. And it's like one of those expressions that you can really only get out through playing music. You know, like we could talk and like we could have a great talk, but it's hard to just get all that wackiness out. And I think in jazz, like you can really push your expression in a way that feels comfortable, but also difficult. This would be my interpretation of why people like jazz music. Maybe, <laughs> maybe they just like the chords. I don't know. <laughs> and what about the bass? Why is it that Benjamin Ryan Williams plays the bass? Why wasn't it some other instrument? It's, it's hard to remember back and find like a definite reason because I do play some other instruments. But the bass was the first and certainly the one that I care about the most. I think what it really was, was when I first started taking lessons, I had like just a wonderful mentor who played the bass. And I was like, I want to be like this guy. He, he seems happy. He's got a good home life. He's creative, engaged. And it, you know, it's, it just goes to show you, right? Like the people that you meet when you're first starting out in anything, really can make a difference, like for better or worse. And I, I was very lucky to meet a guy who connected some of the tenets of being like a quality human with how to play the bass correctly, which is something I'll always be grateful for. And his name is Rob Schaefer, great bass player in Atlanta. What do you think about Atlanta? You've been here for a while now. Mm -hmm. I think Atlanta is, is cool. You know, I've spent a lot of time like touring the United States quite a bit in Europe and Asia the past year. And Atlanta is a special place that has international appeal, which I, you know, I didn't really expect when I first moved here. It was a city for sure, but it's really grown and it's created a culture all of its own. So like I was playing in Zurich not long ago. And after the show, a bunch of people came up to me. They're like, oh, you're from Atlanta. Cause they read it in my like a biography. I was like, yeah, I'm from Atlanta. Like, do you know anything about it? They're like, oh, we love Donald Glover. We have, we're going out to this bar every Wednesday night is Atlanta night. They just play Usher, Outkast, TLC. And I was just like, damn, this is cool. Like, this is my city. <laughs> and, and, and in terms of being a musician, you know, you can move to different, there are some other cities maybe where you could have more exposure or make more money. The quality of life, I don't think, is as high in those cities. And I think that matters to being a person and also a musician. And in Atlanta, something that I've been really lucky to do is to, you know, record with folk musicians, with hip-hop musicians, do musicals. I think, like, the hodgepodge of culture and vibes in the city, it just really makes it a more exciting and engaging place to be a musician. On that note, Ben, I don't want to mm -hmm. get too pushy. Nice. But would you play another song for us? Yeah, for sure. Um, I did have a question. Is that okay to ask? Go ahead. Would it, is it, do, can I play covers on here? You can play a cover. You sure? You, you can now. Mm -hmm. I don't have to. I can play. If you really want to play a cover, you can play a cover. The reason, the reason I brought it up is because I was like, oh, I'm doing an interview with Paul, like, Paul loves songwriters. I got to bring the heat. 
with a great song. So I was whipping up a Tracy Chapman fast car cover. Oh, wow. But I don't have to do it. I can play an original. Do it. Okay, perfect. I'm glad. <laughs> okay, here we go. Just give me a second to set up. This is one of my favorite songs. Another one of those songs that I would say, like, I, I have not been the person in the song, any of the people in this song, and yet, like, I can feel the real feeling from her. I think she's a genius. So I'm excited to play this one. That was great. That was cool. Oh, <laughs> <Okay>. man. <laughs> uh, what a song, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Whew. As you mentioned, mm -hmm. it's not just instrumentalists who have had an effect on you. Tracy Chapman, mm -hmm. Janice Ian, these folk musicians. 
I want you to tell us a little bit about your interest in poetry. Is there an intersection there? Ooh, I th- I think so. Okay. When I first started recording solo instrumental music, I wanted the songs to like resemble poems in feeling more than like maybe if you think about like a classic album of music, you think of it more as like a book almost, like a novel. And I wanted my stuff to be like shorter and maybe more emotionally dense so you could keep coming back to it with your new perspective each time. Because something that I love about poetry is, for the most part, it's short, right? Like, I have read, okay, I've read like certain Langston Hughes poems like 600 times Hmm. without even really trying to, right? It just kind of happens. There are some books that have profoundly changed my life, some novels that I've only read twice. I think I was trying to hit similar feelings of poetry, like the ambiguity, that just kind of like coming back to this thing. So I hope I accomplish it with music. I I studied poetry in college. I had a scholar, a poetry scholarship to university, and I just really thought it was cool, like that you could say a lot forever with so little. And I always felt like poetry was like the most respectful to the reader. Because instead of being like, here are all my thoughts about something, it'd be like, oh, here's like the fleeting moment. And I'm going to write down some words and just like do what do what you do with it when you read it. <laughs> and I always thought that was cool. You know, the oral tradition of music and, and things like it's carried on by the people who hear songs. It's not totally always about the people who write the songs. So I always felt that way with poetry. I think poetry is very cool. Doesn't get the love that it deserves amongst regular folk i think <laughs> you know what i mean we when you say yeah. poetry it's like oh you think of something like very highfalutin but it's not it doesn't have to be that way hmm. you've worked with so many artists mm-hmm. as an accompanist mm-hmm. performing with them recording with them maybe if you could tell us a little bit about that the experience of playing with all these different people who sticks out in your mind So I would say, like, I love performing with other people. I really love, you know, when I was younger and I first started out, there was like a bit of ego involved. Like I wanted to be like the best at playing with other people. Uh, And I can be kind of competitive. That could be the Texas thing. But as I got a little bit older, I, I started to realize like, oh, when you're performing with somebody, like if you're like really selfless and you try to help them attain what they want to do, God, what a great feeling. And, you know, I've been really fortunate to play with so many people. I would say, like, some folks that immediately come to mind is, like, obviously played with a lot of rappers in Atlanta. I record a lot with this guy, DJ Burn One, who I think is, like, one of the most creative producers, engineers, mixers, like, making music out there. And I I really, like, love his, like, courage and creativity. He just kind of goes for it. I played with the Indigo Girls, who are, like, all-time legends out of Atlanta I would say, like, and obviously, like, I have a soft spot for them, right? But, like, I would say that they are probably one of the coolest music duos to ever, like, have success, like, in America. Like, just everything that they stand for, the type of music that they make, the fact that they do not compromise. All these things are really cool about them. Uh, And then another person that I've played with who I think is, like, exceptionally talented is a producer, an engineer, who I think lives in LA now, but when I met him, he was in Atlanta, obviously. His name's Pierre Bourne. And what I love about Pierre is he, like, is the most hardworking dude. He stayed in a studio making beats for, like, a whole year. I don't think he was living anywhere else. (laughs) Just, like, sleeping on a couch. And, you know, that energy is tough to keep up, right? But, like, it's so cool to be around somebody who likes music that much. And, you know, anytime you work with people... You kind of get a little bit of their sauce and they get a little bit of yours. And and then I go, oh, I guess I got I got to mention like Wesley Cook, of course. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Wesley was one of the, f- the first people who like put me on playing in groups around town in Atlanta. And I will always appreciate that. And what a cool dude. And that's how I know you also. Right. My friend Jason Burge, mm-hmm. who played keyboards on some of Wesley Cook's gigs. Yeah. I remember after one of the shows, and he was talking about how much fun he had playing with you. Oh, that's awesome. 
And he said a lot of times when people would start to jam or whatever, mm-hmm. it would be like the bass player, he's, you know, he, he he's communicating with the drummer right now. Mm-hmm. And, oh, now he's he's communicating with the guitar player. The keyboardist is kind of, he said, is is left in the corner. Yeah. And he said, I loved the fact that you came over and you wanted to jam with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jason's a cool dude. So, like, I'm surprised not everybody wanted to jam with him. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, I feel bad for keys players sometimes because they, they got lots of equipment. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, lo- I love making music with people. It's It's one of those things. Like, I enjoy a lot of things about being alive, but that's one of those things that, like, just feels really good all the time. And, you know, you can't really turn away from those things. Uh, so that's cool. I'm glad Jason likes playing with me. That's <laughs> really nice to hear. I got to say hello to that guy. So the Indigo Girls, mm-hmm. what are they like to work with, whether you're recording with them or you're doing a show? When I first started playing with them, I was I was really blown away by how they approached things. And I really learned a lot from it. Because, you know, I'm coming into this gig, I'm pretty young, and, you know, you you think that things are going to be one way, and, like, I definitely thought they were going to bust my, bust my butt. Like, I thought it was going to be really hard, and, you know, I, it was challenging to learn, you know, 80 songs and, and, and be able to recall them all the time, but I thought it, they were going to give a lot more direction and be, like, you know, the like, the awful stories we hear about people who are who are truly great. Right. But I think what was cool about them is they were just kind of like, Oh, do your own thing. (laughs) You know, I showed up and like, I was playing and they were like, that's great. We love you. And it was pretty much like that the whole time. And I think, I think like that speaks to what I am guessing is part of their like professional philosophy, which I've tried to adapt. And I'm sure a lot of people feel this way. You put the right people in positions, right? And then you let them be themselves. Um, you can't micromanage the way that a person does anything that involves like a degree of subtlety, like especially playing music. And I really just appreciated that they were like, you know, they liked me. They liked how I played. They were just like, all right, let's, let's let it ride. <laughs> and I love that. You don't always get that when you play with people and you always have to do your best, but it's always nice when somebody wants you for who you are. I want to go back to something you said a moment ago. You said mm-hmm. that performing is one of the reasons you like to be alive. Yes. What else? What do you like about being alive? <laughs> I like that. Okay. I like some really specific things. So we'll start with that, and then I'll try to come up with something that sounds smarter than what I'm about to say. <laughs> I really like collaborating with people. I really like watching and playing basketball. I really like to read. I think reading is very important. It is a way... I like to travel too, but reading is a way of traveling that's very inexpensive and I can do it from home. So I really like to read. I think I like doing things that engage my mind and that oftentimes means doing things that engage my body. Listening to music with my eyes closed is one of my favorite activities. I think that's very important. I like to hear about other people's life experience. It doesn't always make me happy, but I think it's important to try to appreciate what other people are going through. So if I were to extrapolate like a good good overview, I like what happens when you get a group of people together and they try to work together on something. Well, that's all nonsense. No, no, not at all. Not at all. (laughs) It's funny to say that, especially like as I come here playing music on my own, (laughs) but I also like doing things on my own, you know, (laughs) I always like to give the, the guest the stage. Mm -hmm. Just let them take the microphone we just never know who's listening. What would you say to anyone who's tuned in? I would say that I would I would recommend, and I just said this, listening to music with your eyes closed. You know, pick something once a day, once a week, close your eyes and get in that world. I think a lot of times we 
we forget about this whole world that's in our heads. And like, it's important not to live there. You know, you can't be delusional or you should try your best not to, but I think it's important to spend some time by yourself with your thoughts. And music is a great way to organize that. I would really like heavily recommend that to everybody. Even if you don't like music, which I can't imagine you would be listening to this if you didn't, (laughs) especially still, but I think it can really help you grow as a person and learn ways to be yourself in an environment that maybe you're not familiar with. So hopefully if anyone is listening to that and they made sense out of it, I hope they liked it. (laughs) What is the best thing about being Benjamin Ryan Williams? Oh, oh, good question. I mean, the best thing is that I've been lucky enough to be a professional musician and, and explore this this really this weird world uh for so long and i hope to keep doing it uh waking up every day with a zeal for life and enthusiasm is is really lucky and i don't take it for granted at all i I would bet most people doing something that they enjoy feel that way and i really i hope most people get the opportunity to do something that they feel passionate about i know that's certainly been the best part about being me other than the fact that I keep looking at meeting incredible people all the time, but you know, (laughs) we'll see how long that lasts. (laughs) My last question. Mm -hmm. Who is Ben? How would you define Benjamin Ryan Williams? Hmm. I would just, I would, I would say I'm a person trying, trying his best to do something that, I'm a person trying his best to be somebody who inspires other people to try. I don't even really want to inspire people to be good at anything necessarily, because I don't think that's really up to us, but I, I would like for people who come across me to be like, Oh, you know, like Ben's cool. Maybe I should try painting, even though I don't know how, or maybe I should go for an advanced degree. It's just nice to be, You know, I would hope to be a person that lights a fire under people and gets them to engage in, like, their own lives, because I am trying to do that every day. Ben, you're very cool. Thanks a lot, man. That's (laughs) awesome. You you know I think you're cool. And I did have a mustache, like, two weeks ago. (laughs) Not as good as yours. Everyone out there, they can visit BaseEveryNight.com. BaseEveryNight.com. Mm-hmm. Also, check out the Twitter, at BaseEveryNight. Yeah, love Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> that you do. <laughs> ben, a lot of times when I have a guest in the studio, I like to close this way if they're, if they're a musician. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is about the end, but I like something kind of melancholy to send the listeners on their way. Something maybe uh, a little slow. Do you have a melody you could play to send everyone on their way? Yes, absolutely. I have a great one. Let me just set up down here. This is a song, or this will be a melody from a song that I recorded called Lonely People Without Much to Do with Their Nights, which is, I got the idea walking around downtown Cincinnati and seeing it was really late, like after a gig, I think it was like 11 p.m. on like a Friday. And I saw so many people in their offices with the lights on. Hmm. And it just, you know, it's not necessarily about that, but it's just about how I was kind of overcome with this idea that like, oh, damn, like a lot of people are just by themselves all the time. And we don't have a lot to do. Like even myself, like I do have a lot to do, but sometimes it doesn't feel that way. And I wanted to try to write a song that like captures that feeling of just being like, oh, like I'm alone. I don't have anything going on. Not in a bad way necessarily, right? Like that could be something you look forward to. But I just wanted to try to capture that isolation and independence. So here it is. Thank you. 
Thank you. Beautiful bin. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. This was really fun. Pleasure to know you. Yeah, of course, man. It's always good to, to link back up. Absolutely. <laughs> Until next time.